So hey, tonight, um, I got a question for you. How many of you in the room, you love shopping? Just out of curiosity. Okay? Okay? Wait a minute. Hold on. Put your hands back up. Because I'm like, I'm looking around. Okay, there's a few guys that are honest and, yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. How many of you, like, you're not just indifferent about shopping, but you hate shopping? Okay. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. So, let, let me ask you this. For those of you that like to shop, what is the thing you most enjoy shopping for? Clothes, shoes, what? <clears throat> Socks. Okay. Socks and underwear. Absolutely necessary. Okay. <clears throat> what? Car parts. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, trick question. For those of you that don't like the shop, what is the thing you hate to shop for most? Clothes. <laughs> shoes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny how that works, right? Okay, if I'm just being honest, I absolutely hate shopping. Like, unless it's for ice cream, I don't want to go shopping for nothing, right? Like, you take me to an ice cream store, I'll throw down. That's all there is to it, especially if they give free samples, okay? But other than that, I don't want to go shopping for anything at all, right? Like, I, I'm the guy that when I walk into the mall... I know what I'm going to look for. I I need a pair of jeans. In fact, I went to go shopping for a pair of jeans not too long ago. And like I walk in and like, man, there is so many places to go in the mall. And if you never go to the mall, you just don't know where to go, right? So I just go into a place that looks like a place a dude should be, okay? Now, I go in there and I'm like, I need to try on some jeans. They're like, what size are you? I'm like, I'm not sure. They got a tape. They'll tell you what size you are. They will measure your waist, you know? So I'm like, you know, here's what the ones, you know, my pants say. Well, that's not our brand. Here, let me measure you, right? So they measure me. I'm a size 33 waist. So I'm shopping for a pair of skinny jeans, my first pair of skinny jeans ever, okay? And some of you guys are looking right now. I'm not wearing them. I'm not wearing them, okay? You're welcome. And so I'm trying to find a pair of skinny jeans, and they say I'm a size 33, so I know exactly what size pair of skinny jeans I need, size 34, okay? Because every single one of you that has ever worn skinny jeans that I've asked about this phenomenon called skinny jeans has told me you order a pair, you get a pair that's one size bigger. So I'm looking for a size 34 waist in a pair of skinny jeans. Now, if you all in, if you go into some of these places and you're like, I like that color, I need a size 34 waist in that color of jeans, right? Skinny jeans, that's what I need. And they're like, and here's the thing, they don't have a size 34 in that color. So what do they do? They bring you like up team bajillion other pairs of jeans that are maybe near that color, but they're all size 33. And I'm like, you didn't hear me. I need a size 34 pair of jeans, and I like that color. Well, here, you should really try these on. We don't have a size 34 in that style or in that color or in that brand. Here, you should try a size 33 in this brand that costs $500. And I'm like, no, thank you. You obviously don't know what I do for a living, right? And so this is just one of those reasons I hate shopping. Right? Like, I know what I want. I just want what I want, and I want to leave. 
Any of you have ever had that kind of experience before? Am I alone? No? Okay. See, I'm willing to bet that many of you that just raised your hand that, that said you do not like that experience or that you've had that experience, you also raised your hand whenever I said, who doesn't like to go shopping? Right? You share this, like, hatred of shopping with me. And then there's, like, the other side of you. Like, you're like, I love to go shopping. I don't know what you're talking about, Heath. Like, it's like a therapeutic process for me to go shopping. Like, I've got a little extra time. I've got a little extra money. I really have no idea what I'm actually looking for, but I'm going shopping because it's going to make me feel better. And that's like how half of you are actually going to go shopping, right? <clears throat> See, there's a difference between me and you. I never spend my extra time or my extra money just going shopping. Like, I know what I need when I roll into that store and I need a size 34 pair of skinny jeans. Don't bring me a size 33. Me and my ghetto booty don't fit into a size 33. And one of us in this conversation is going to have to wear these jeans tomorrow. Okay, so bring me the size 34. That's my attitude towards shopping, right? And salespeople hate me because of it. I get it, okay? The rest of you, you're like rolling and strolling through the mall. And it only takes you seven and a half minutes, right? Because the San Angelo Mall is like this big, you know? You've made the complete circle in that amount, but it doesn't matter. You're going to stroll around the mall and look and look and look until you find that purse. And some salesman is going to talk you into purchasing that purse because you need that purse, Never mind the 27 other purses you got at home. This is the purse you need. And you end up buying a purse and you feel really great about it until like the next day when you go home, right? And you just realize, I just got sold. That's all there was to it. Like they told, I got home with something I didn't really want and I didn't really need, but now I have 28 purses, not 27 purses. This is not the story of my wife at all, okay? So, um, but it's a therapeutic process for you. You're just shopping, right? The problem is, some of you don't just shop that way, but you date that way. Now, tonight, we start a relationship series called, Are You the One? And we're talking about identifying the one. We're talking about what it is that we are shopping for. Some of y'all need some help here. See, here's the thing. Here's what I know from talking with some of you. The truth is, is that some of you browse around with no real concept of what you're looking for, but you're shopping. And you're just waiting for someone to convince you that they're worth the price of pursuing. And what happens is I talk with a lot of you about your past relationships is that you've gotten sold. And then on the backside of that relationship, you ended up with someone that ended up not being the one and you left Brokenhearted. So I'm hoping tonight, I want to give you a scriptural basis on how to identify the one. I'm hoping tonight that as you leave here tonight, I genuinely hope you will have some tools in your belt that will help you find the one. That you'll know what you're looking for. Listen, I want you to have the one that like gives you all the feels. Not just tonight, but tomorrow and the rest of your life.
kind of one. Like a marriage that is fulfilling and awesome and makes you just like all giddy inside whenever you think about it. And it's all going to start with identifying the right one. I want you to have the one that you actually want to spend the rest of your life with. Not just the rest of the day. Or not just the rest of the night. I want to talk to you tonight about your future one. I want to talk about them behind their back and let's just be okay with it. Is that all right? I don't know who they are, okay? So we're just going to talk about them. And if you're looking for the one, I want to show you the scriptural lists that Paul gives. And here's the truth. This list is not meant for dating or for marriage. This is a scriptural list that Paul gives to a young minister named Timothy. And he says, hey, Timothy, I know you're young. But you're a godly man. Here's some things that you as a young godly man should exhibit. And I think that this list is actually a gift for those of you that are looking for the one tonight. This is a list that you can use to know exactly what you're shopping for. He says this, 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Now, I know that some of you, you're like, I'm 18 now. I'm not young anymore, but I'm like double your age. You're still young, okay? And to like, you know, the other 80% of the world, you're still young, okay? But I would agree with what Paul is saying to Timothy here. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. There's a reason I'm a college pastor. I think you guys are the greatest people to lead in the world. I love it. You're fired up. You, you like get excited about stuff and, and I can just preach and be real, okay? There's some things I'm going to say tonight. I wouldn't say on a Sunday morning, don't tell anybody else, okay? This is, I'm, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. He says, but don't, don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers. Set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Okay, I'm going to give you... All the answers that you need tonight. So if you need to leave in like the next two minutes, you'll feel like you left with something. Identifying the one is easy when you find someone who does all those things. If you find someone who sets an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and impurity... You got the green light, Miriam. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, you, we'll just pack up and go home now. Is that a, no? I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> this is your list. This is your scriptural list of what you're shopping for when you're trying to identify the one. So let's talk about this list. We're just going to start right down the list and go straight into speech. Speech is pretty easy. It's what they say. But here's the thing. You don't have to be in a dating relationship with them to figure this one out. You just need to pay attention to what's on their lips. See, Jesus said this in Luke 6, 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's like Jesus could look into the soul of a man. Just by listening to what he said. Jesus says their speech will tell you what's in their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You don't have to spend hours 
in an intimate relationship or an intimate time together to figure out what's in their heart. Just listen to what they say. It's that easy. Do they talk about others? Do they talk about video games? They talk about the latest, you know, TV show? Do they talk about the Lord? Do they talk about the things of the Lord? See, if you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, then you'll want to know what is in their heart before you run down this path with them. But here's the thing, and you know this, you can't just walk up to them and and ask them what is in the deepest parts of their heart, especially when you first meet them, right? That's just weird. (laughs) Don't be weird. (laughs) Hey, I just met you. What is your deepest, darkest secret? Don't do that. (laughs) That's not, not wise. But there is a way that Jesus tells us that we can find out what is in there, how we listen to what they say and how they say it. I'll give you a little story just from mine and Ashley's past, okay? When I first met Ashley, she was actually a waitress at Cheddar's. She was my waitress at Cheddar's. Me and a group of friends, Kyle friends, we were sitting there, we were hanging out, having some lunch. She was our waitress, and I told my bro Migo across the table, I was like, that waitress is hot, yo. And, and that was literally the extent of the conversation. I didn't even think about it again, but apparently other people at the table did. So they start talking to me about this waitress that I think is hot, right? And so later on, we're at Cheddar's again, and we're all sitting on this big, huge table with a ton of powerful people around. Guess who walks by? Ashley. <clears throat> so I muster up all the courage inside of me. I go talk to her. I get her number. Men take notes, okay? <laughs> and I tell her, I'm like, hey, me and you are going to go out sometime. So we set this up. Turns out she works at Cheddar's a lot. She works late at night. So I'm like, hey, great. Well, let's, let's meet up at IHOP just as a get to know you, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make this happen. So sure enough, we set it up, and, and so um, the same brother that was, that was with me at the table, his name's Casey Ferguson, he's like, he's seriously one of my brothers, okay? And, and, um, and he's like, and I'm like, hey, dude, I want for you to come with me to IHOP, because I'm going to meet that, that waitress at Cheddar's. Like, I want, for you to, I want for you to come along. He's my accountability partner. We're like this. We live together. Like, he's the guy. I mean, I, I, was, in, I, I was in their wedding, you know? He's in my wedding. Like, he's one of those guys. And, and so... Um, he goes with me, and we go, and we meet Ashley late at night at IHOP. And we sit there for a few minutes, we discuss, we talk for a little while, and then we're like, great, you know, hey, um, it's nice meeting you, see you later. Um, we leave, and on the ride home, I ask Ferocious Ferguson, I said, what'd you think? And he made this statement, he, he was brilliant, okay, straight from the Lord. He said, well, Heath, here's the thing, when someone loves Jesus, he's on their lips. I said, you're right. She didn't love Jesus. And she wasn't saved. She wasn't saved. And so literally I took that moment based on what she said and I made a decision about our relationship. And I said, she's not the one. At least not right now, obviously, right? The Lord had some other plans. But she was not the one for that time right then. And and so guys... Ladies, you, you, y'all need to take note on this, okay? Um, any, anybody ever like try to connect with somebody and they just straight ghost you, 
right? Okay. Let me play pastor for a moment. Grow up. You don't just ignore someone when they're trying to communicate with you. And don't do this in a dating relationship ever. So with Ashley, I literally called her up and told her, I said, hey, listen, um, man, I really appreciate you meeting me at IHOP the other night. I just want to let you know, like, I'm not really interested in seeing you again, but I really appreciate your time, and, you know, thanks for, thanks for meeting me over there that night. And just left it at that. Okay, I, so I told her we weren't going to be seeing each other again, but I did it in a very, like, loving, honorable way. Told her, listen, I'm not just going to ignore your text. I'm not just going to ignore, you know, your communication with me. I'm actually going to communicate the truth in love. So, that was the end of our relationship. And I made that decision after spending about 15 minutes at IHOP with her in a friendship setting, totally based on what she had to say during that 15 minutes. Why? Because my brother was smart enough to know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he loved me enough to tell me that. Listen, some of the best things you can have in your life are accountability partners that that will love you enough to tell you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. And he was that guy. See, here's the thing. And, you know, had I been a jerk about, like, not seeing her, had I just, like, ignored her, or had I been a jerk about not wanting to see her again, I assure you she wouldn't be my wife today. But Jesus wasn't on her lips. She wasn't the one, at least not the one for that time. Obviously, she's saved now. We have a beautiful family. James 1.19 through 20 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to what? It's not up there. James 1.19 through 20. All right. Let every person be quick to what? Slow to? Hmm. Slow to? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You ever known anyone that's slow to hear and quick to speak? Quick to get angry? So, um, I, I do this thing. I have um, like this stupid uh, bumper sticker ministry. And, um, and so, um, anytime that I see a stupid bumper sticker, um, I, 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 I take care of them. Um, so, whenever I see like a word on the back of a vehicle or something like that that I don't want for my daughters to see, I'll take a Sharpie and I'll just black it. I'll just paint it, right? Paint it black. And, and because, you know, like I don't want to explain to my daughter why the F-bomb is not appropriate to say later, right? And so, I, I, I take it upon myself. To, my wife says I shouldn't do this, but it just makes me feel better. I'm cleaning up my daughter's environment, you know? Saves me from having a Awkward conversation later. Um, so there's this bumper sticker I see one day, and it says this. You call me a bee like it's a bad thing. Except it said the word, you know? And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking to myself like, man, I think it is a bad thing. <laughs> and and I kind of want to tell you that I think it's a bad thing. But, but 
let's face it, you have this bumper sticker, like this is your life verse. This is your motto that you live by. And if this is your motto that you live by, if I tell you this, you might beat me up. So I don't tell her. But according to James, someone who is quick-tempered isn't what we're looking for. And I think that that person was probably quick-tempered, and I was able to make that judgment before I had ever met that person. See, I don't need to go on a date with that person to figure out who they are, do I? Your bumper sticker told me everything I need to know. And somebody would respond, oh, Heath, you know, you just don't really know him. He's just got a bad temper. I say, oh, no, he's just a bad husband. I hope you don't go there. It's not good to be feisty or sassy or salty, right? And listen, if they have found identity in that, then they have found identity in something other than the Spirit of God. It's not who Christ is. And if their lack of Christ-likeness is showing up in this way, you can bet it will show up in other ways as well. Out of the abundance of the heart. So we pay attention to how they communicate. Are they like a did you hear person? Talking about others instead of to others? My wife is actually really, really great in this area of like uh, just communication and what she says. Like here's, here's the things that you guys don't get to see about me. Okay, sometimes I stand up here and I preach my heart out on a Tuesday night and I go home feeling like a failure. Like, that was horrible. That's probably the worst sermon I've ever preached. Or like, if I make a leadership decision that, that you know, was just a poor decision. Or, it, you know, if people are talking about me behind my back or something like that. And I, I hear these kind of things. You know, I go home and I tell my wife, listen, I just don't know if I did right. Or I don't know if I, if I was good enough. Or, you know, and my wife is quick to remind me that I am who I am because God made me who I am. And he loves me. And he's still for me. And she communicates the right things. And you want a wife like that. You want a husband like that. Oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. Right? You want that wife. You want that wife. That's that's very different from a wife or a husband who is quick-tempered, quick to speak, and slow to hear. My wife is not the wife who wants the bumper sticker. You get that. The Bible calls that kind of woman a dripping faucet. It calls her like as bad as Chinese water torture. Is that the wife that you want? Is that the husband that you want? You don't want the husband that flies off the handle every time he's upset. Isn't it? We're getting kind of into the next point, which is going to seem obvious, but I need to spend some time here because we need to, we need to take some time to inspect a few things about the one that you're trying to identify. So we're going to talk next about their conduct. And again, you don't have to be on a date with someone to find out how they really act. There are a couple of things that we can inspect that will give us the evidence we need to find out who they really are. The first thing is this, their reputation. Their reputation. Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver or gold. So yesterday, 
um, we're tabling on campus and we ask the question, what's the number one trait that you hope your future husband or wife has? And we got some interesting and some stupid answers, right? Like, if you answered, your, your answer wasn't stupid. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I didn't even see who filled them out, okay? I'm not talking about you, all right? Don't be offended. But um, we had some interesting and some stupid answers. And, and it was funny because, um, have you ever seen people create a list of things that they hope their future mate will fulfill? You know? Well, if we created that list based off the answers we received yesterday, <laughs> the number one answer it's funny, this thing we kept seeing pop up was loyalty. Loyalty. A close second would be that they're hot. And not just hot, but descriptive. Like It's most likely whatever your porn addiction has conditioned you to think is hot. That kind of hot. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being physically attracted to the one. My wife is hot, y'all. Like, I got two babies to prove it. I don't know who said that, but I'm about to get a paintball gun. I would encourage you to, to pursue someone that you find physically attractive. But don't make it the number one thing on your list. I can't tell you how many people rolled through there and the number one thing on their list was, she's got a nice butt. She's got nice boobs. Listen, if you're a butt guy or a boob guy, if that's even on your list, you're a dumb guy. That's all there is to it. The Lord did not teach you that. Your porn addiction taught you that. Get over it. <clears throat> Let's go back to loyalty. <clears throat> we'll, we'll deal with the porn addiction next week, okay? Y'all come back then. It'll be fun. Um, We can all agree that loyalty is a great trait to have. But most relationships in today's society don't start based on the character trait of loyalty. In fact, think about this with me for just a minute, okay? Think about how scared most young people are of getting married. Why? Because it requires loyalty, It requires a commitment to a person. Listen, when I marry two people, I bring them up here and I say, before God and your friends and each other, will you commit to this person? And will you say no to every other person for the rest of your lives? Until one of you is dead, will you make the commitment to them? Will you say yes to them and no to everyone else? That is the greatest statement of loyalty you could ever make to anyone right here on this earth. And it scares some of you to death to think that one day you will actually make that commitment. Let me reassure you the Lord created you to make that kind of commitment. The Lord created you to be in that kind of of relationship. See, if we're honest, in today's like hookup culture, we don't think, I want to be committed to you and you alone for the next 80 years. 
In fact, in our dating hookup culture, there is zero loyalty. Even in dating, what you really have is someone who says to you, I'm committed to you and I'm going to date you until something better comes along. Otherwise, they'd marry you. They're willing to sleep with you. They're willing to be with you until something better comes along. Have you ever thought about the commitment that's actually behind dating? Listen, I, I just want more for you than that. If I can just be honest, as your pastor, I want every one of you to have a shot at a great relationship that leads to a great marriage, that leads to a great family. I don't want you to end up like half of the marriages in America that end up in divorce, and half of the ones that stay together, they're not even fulfilling marriages. That's not what the Lord wants from you, for you either. He wants more than that. Listen, all these things are going to start with the thing that should be at the very top of your list, and it is that they are loyal and committed to Jesus. There should be this loyalty and this commitment to the Lord. They should have a reputation of loving Jesus, first and foremost. If if your list doesn't start with that, scrap your list. When it comes to reputation, I don't know who said this quote, but I think it's awesome. Past behavior is the best indicator of future performance. Past behavior is the best indicator of future performance. Look to their past and find out if they've led a life defined by others as a pure lifestyle, as a righteous lifestyle, as a godly lifestyle. Based on your answers, have they led a lifestyle that would be defined as loyal, If so, in a dark world, Paul writes in in Philippians 2.15 that they will shine like stars in a dark world. You'll notice them. If they're that person with the right reputation that loves Jesus, they will shine like stars in a dark world. Just in case you're sitting here thinking, Heath, this all sounds great, but I'm not even sure I know anyone like this. I'm going to give you another pointer. Let's take a look at point two, inspect their friends. Inspect their friends. 1 Corinthians 15, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You don't want to marry corrupt. Can we just agree with that? Like, that just sounds disastrous. Like, so how do we ensure that we don't end up marrying corrupt? Inspect who they're hanging out with. Take a look at their friends. When it comes to identifying the one Listen, hanging out with the right people in the right places is half the battle. Hanging out with the right people in the right places is half the battle to finding and identifying the one that you want to marry. Great people have great friends. Get around great people. Get around great people with whom you're accountable. And if those people are Christ followers, they'll have friends that are Christ followers. And here's the thing about great, accountable Christ follower friends. They'll be the first to tell you, she's the one, dude. You need to marry that girl. Girl, you better scoop him up. Because if you don't, I'm going to, right? 
<laughs> Listen, <clears throat> I had great friends around me telling me to marry my wife when the time came. And one of the guys was the same guy that just a couple years before had told me she's not the one. <clears throat> See, if you're going fishing, fish from the right pool. Fish from the right pool of friends. If if you've got great friends that are Christ followers, that sounds like a pool of friends I want to fish from, right? I'm going to find a great catch inside of that pool of friends. Like, why would you go to the bar or to a drunken party to look for, for, like, anyone, much less the one? It doesn't even make sense. Like, the kinds of relationships you find in those places don't last, and they're not fulfilling. People in those places don't know Christ, they're not Christ followers, and and they just simply don't have the backbone to last. I heard this the other day, listen, you, you you don't want to put a wishbone where a backbone belongs. Don't hope they have standards. Don't hope that they stand for something. You want someone who has real convictions. And here's what we know about people with real convictions. People with real convictions don't hang out with people who lack conviction. You ever notice that? It's actually a bit annoying when you're the dude with conviction and the guys you're around don't have any convictions at all. Let me illustrate it like this. I I, I met my dad for breakfast um, at like 5 a.m. one morning last week. He's, he's a truck driver, and he was cruising through town, and um, he's like, hey, let's grab breakfast. I'll be available at about 5 a.m. Well, there's only like three places in San Angelo to go to breakfast at 5 a.m., and none of them are my favorite breakfast spots, okay? So we, we settled on Denny's. And <clears throat> here's the problem with Denny's. Here's one problem among many, with Denny's. Um, When I visit a restaurant for breakfast, I judge the entire restaurant on how they make one dish, migas. Because I'm from San Angelo, and Mexico's really close, and we are blessed in this town to have multiple breakfast spots with some great Mexican women manning the kitchen who know how to cook up some migas. If you've ever been to breakfast with me, you know this is true. (laughs) But Denny's was all that's available. And you don't order Migas at Denny's, right? They ain't got Migas. Even if it was on the menu, it would be unwise (laughs) to order Migas at Denny's. But that was all that was available on the route that my dad was on as he was driving home. So that's what we settled for. But here's the thing. You don't find Migas at Denny's. You don't find filet mignon at Wingstop. You hear me? You don't find Gucci at Walmart. Can we all agree on this? So why shop for a mate in the wrong places? Go where the goods are. Get the right group of friends who have friends that are worth your time. And avoid the other places at all costs. I think, I think maybe tonight some of you just need to hear that there are better places to shop. They're probably not open at 2 a.m. That's not a great time to go looking for a mate, by the way. Okay? 
I'm going to give you a phrase here that's going to impact some of you greatly. It's going to give you a much better chance at identifying the one. Some of you need to change your playmates or change your playground. Some of you need to look in different places and amongst different people if you really hope to identify the one. Their friends are going to tell you a lot about them. Trust me, you want your future mate to have great friends right now. And amongst those great friends, there should always be an example of of letter C, great love. They should be setting an example in love. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, he states that there are four loves that we see in the Bible. It goes back to some Greek words. Don't have to know it, just get the idea here. He talks about storge. Storge is kind of a natural love. It's the, the, the affection that a mother has towards her child. Or, or Man, it, it even goes as far as like, it's that feeling, that longing for home, that longing you love your bed after a long trip away from home. <clears throat> it's this deep yet humble form of love that can e- exist alongside other forms of love, and it often does. It's often a basis for the other two forms of love that I want to dive a little deeper into. And the first one is this. It's on your notes, phileo. And this is, phileo is a deep friendship that leads to our happiness. You guys see the, the correlation there. Phileo, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Okay? Phileo is this brotherly love. It's a love, a deep friendship that leads to our Happiness. We're committed to our happiness. It's friends that love one another, and they will also have, at the basis of their friendship, this storge kind of love. So, here's what phileo love looks like. It's when they have, whenever two friends have common memories or common stories that they share with each other, and after compiling enough of these shared experiences, there comes a commitment to one another in the form of love. This type of love should exist in the life of the one you hope to marry. Why? Because one day you're going to want this common commitment, this phileo kind of love to exist between the two of you. Like a lot of people will tell you, the greatest marriages start as great friendships. They should be able to be a great friend. They should set an example in love. So I hear this all the time. I'll hear, I'll hear a woman say like, well, I only get along with guys. Or a guy will say, man, I just get along better with women. And so what they're saying here is that even though God designed me to live in unity with all of humanity, both men and women, they've decided to ignore half of humanity in keeping God's ordinances. And here's how you should be thinking about it long term. If the woman I'm interested in doesn't get along with other women, uh, other women, and just has a bunch of boyfriends, will she be able to get along with our future daughter? Or are we just headed for strife in our household? If, if the man that I'm interested in doesn't seem to get along with other men, and he's just got a bunch of girlfriends, then is he going to get along with our future sons? Is he going to be the father that I want my one to be. Here's what I think. If they can master this phileo type of love with their brothers and sisters in Christ now, then one day, the two of you have a really great shot at having that same kind of connection inside of your future marriage. 
They need to master the filial love now. And hopefully, it's a good sign. You'll eventually have filial love inside of your marriage one day, and they'll make a great lover, which is a, which is a totally different kind of love called eros. This is romantic love. Eros is, is a romantic love. So, <clears throat> when we look at love, we're looking at a phileo love, and we're looking at an eros love, a romantic love. The romantic life is something you want to consider when you're identifying the one. You want to find out who they've dated, and how did those relationships end? Did those involved with them romantically end up better off after the relationship? Or when you look in the rear view, do you just see like, train wrecks and disaster and heartache? Have they handled Eros love in their past? And to protect your heart, you want to inspect their past relationships. And here's the thing, like sometimes I'll get these excuses. Oh man, she was just crazy, right? Like we had to break it off and it was just bad because she was just crazy. And, and I'm sitting here on the outside going, okay, she might have been crazy, but you dated crazy. That's your fault. Uh, you, you need to inspect what do their romantic relationships look like? What does their past look like? Past behavior is the best indicator of future performance. Where do you know this? Here's the thing. I, <clears throat> if any of you know me well, you know that if you were to dig far enough back into my past, you would see a past that I'm not proud of. In fact, before I really handed this area of my life over to the Lord, I was a jerk. And God had to do some real restoration and healing work inside of me. And because I let him do that, he's now blessed me with Ashley and two beautiful daughters. I have a beautiful family now. But I had to get some things right in this area. And some of you simply need to hear tonight that nothing you've done in your past disqualifies you from having a great relationship and a great marriage. That's the Jesus that we serve. The same is true for the one that you're looking for. See, our faith says that that because of Jesus, anything is possible with God. So if you encounter someone whose past isn't one that they're proud of, yet they've placed their faith in Jesus, don't count them out. Don't count them out. Look to their faith and see if a couple of things are in place. So letter D, their faith, we want to look to this. Look to see that number one, their repentance is as notorious as their rebellion. Their repentance is as notorious as their rebellion. If you're new around here, I hope you understand something. Like, I get to stand up here and talk about all the right and wrong things that we're looking for in the one But the truth is we're just a a big community of like broken individuals with really dark pasts that Jesus has come in and cleaned up. He illuminated those those pasts because of his sacrifice on the cross. I'm able to stand up here and say, my past has been forgiven. The sin and shame that was there no longer exists. Jesus took care of that for me. He helped me overcome. He helped me grow. He helped me mature. Now he's blessed me with a wonderful, a wonderful family. When we place our faith in Jesus, all of our sin and shame gets wiped away because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not something you earn. It's a gift from God. 
And, I, and yet, I understand that, like, listen, you ought to try to preach this message when there's people in the audience that you know you've been in sin with. And when I get to sit here and say, I've been forgiven for that, that individual might not believe me. They might be a little bit leery of what's actually going on. And, and I get it. I understand that. But don't ever box someone in in their sin and shame. Listen, if they repent to the one that they sinned against, which was God, it was not you, you have no right to say that what the sacrifice that Jesus made was not enough for their forgiveness and for their restoration and for their healing. 2 Corinthians 5.17 there says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're sitting in a room full of new people. And here's one of the best ways to know that the new has actually come. It's to look at number two, their convictions. Are they in love with and yielded to Jesus? Are they in love with and yielded to Jesus? When we're identifying the one, we want to see evidence that they love Jesus. Like, do they worship? Are they excited about the things of God? Are there things that they will do and are there things that they will not do because they are committed to Jesus? It might be a great life group question. Like, what are some things that people will do or will not do if they're committed to Jesus? Like, if we're actually looking for the one, what are some things that they will do and some things that they will not do because of their commitment to the Lord? It points to their purity, which is letter E. It's the last thing on our list, their purity. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Let's stop there for just a minute. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting. Listen, um, you may date them because they're hot, but I hope to God that you get to spend the next 80 years with someone whose beauty fades on the outside. Like, do you recognize that probably the greatest blessing that the Lord could ever actually grant you would be to give you a long marriage? I get we don't have a ton of examples for that today, but when external beauty is fleeting, there's something really special about my great-grandparents who lived to be in their 90s together and loved each other to the very end. They saw a beauty that was so much more than on the outside. I hope you get to I hope you get to experience that. So here's the problem. Charm is deceptive, but sometimes charm is attractive. Right? Sometimes charm is attractive, and and sometimes the right amount of charm can deceive you into believing that someone is pure. I can't tell you how many people I've seen that were in love with Jesus, got into a relationship with a charming person who seemed nice enough but didn't love Jesus, and that person ended up pulling the, the believer into a life of sin, separating them from Christ and this community. 
Listen, it, romantic relationships are the number one reason that I see people who love the Lord stop growing in Christ or stop living a God-honoring life of purity. And I'm sure some of you guys have seen this illustration before, but I just think it's awesome to actually show you what's going on. Uh, JB, come here. You're kind of a big old boy. <clears throat> hey, um, see any hotties out there you want to hold hands with for a minute? No? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, here's what I do need. I need, I, I want like, I need you. You're like the smallest person here, right, in these front couple rows. Will you come here and join me? You don't have to hold his hand, and that's, I'm just kidding about that part, okay? <clears throat> but here's the thing. JB, Let's just say you're in love with Jesus and you are climbing these steps in your faith, in your maturity. You are climbing closer and closer to Jesus. Why don't you get up there and take a couple steps up there, man? Feeling good? Yeah? And uh, what's your name? Claire here. um, Claire's the bad girl. Y'all don't know it. Claire's the bad girl, okay? And JB's got the hots for Claire but um, JB don't really know that Claire's the bad girl because she's pretty and charming and, you know, all that kind of stuff that covers up some of that, okay? Not really. You, I'm, I'm sure you're not this person, okay? But let's just say that JB and Claire get into a romantic relationship. And JB says, I'm running hard after the Lord. I'm climbing my maturity ladder in Jesus' name. And JB has this idea that Claire should come with him. Now, here's the thing, Claire. You got some muscle behind you? Yeah? Does she? She's, I don't know. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. Um, it's okay if you hurt him. Okay? Uh, I love you. Um, <laughs> JB, your job is to pull Claire up this ladder with you. But Claire, you don't love Jesus. You don't want to go up that ladder. I want you to pull him down. Think you can handle that? Are you sure? He's a big old boy. He's got a pretty strong faith, apparently, right? He, you know, he's two steps up the ladder, right? Why don't you go ahead and take a third step up the ladder? What? Go ahead and, and you, listen, this whole time we've been talking, you're just growing in Jesus. I'm just, you know, maturing and maturing. Try to pull her up there with you. Okay, that's good, that's good. Don't take her arm out of socket. Um, that, maybe that wasn't a great idea. I'm sorry, Claire. We didn't hurt you, did we? No, you're, you're very sweet. Thank you for helping us. You just, no, I'm just. <laughs> it, it's a simple illustration to just show a simple truth, right? It is so much harder to drag someone to Christ than it is for them to drag you away. You want to look for this area of purity like in a, in a microscope. Don't get caught up in the deception of charm, but begin to look for, for like real inner beauty. If charm is on your list, if external attributes are on your list, I want you to stop and consider with me something here, okay? Because guys will get wrapped up in this. So ladies, I'm going to give you like just... 
give me a moment because I need to pastor the men in this room and this is not a knock against you or your gender or any of you personally. But I need to say something to you guys. There's this old phrase that I used to hear back in youth group, modest is hottest. You can have cleavage or you can have character. She's either dressing attractively or she's dressing to attract. And there's never anything wrong with dressing attractively, but if she's fishing for men with her cleavage, let me just be honest with you, you're not the only one she's fishing for. If you go look at her social media pictures and she's lying on her bed with sleep with me eyes, it's not just you she wants to sleep with. It's every other dude that sees the picture. Do you understand? Men, you have to be careful about what's on your list of preferences when you're identifying the one. 1 Peter 3, 3-5 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. Listen, ladies, I'm not telling you to not fix your hair, to wear your jewelry. Take a bath, okay? Like, you know. Listen, dress attractively, but consider what you're attracting. God, don't get so caught up in a shallow list of preferences that you miss someone that could have been the one. I heard this the other day. Preferences will rob you of paradise. Your stupid preferences will rob you of paradise, of a marriage that could be awesome and great. Shallow preferences. Men, learn to love what God loves when God looks upon godly women. Ladies, learn to love what God loves when he looks upon a group of godly men. What does God see that's great in them? And does it line up with your list? I'm going to give you a final thought here. When you're, when you're identifying the one, this is the mistake that so many make, but, but listen. When you're identifying the one, don't remove Jesus as number one. You're not on the hunt for your number one. You're on the hunt for your number two. Does that make sense? Like, and, and if you don't get this part, then everything else you can just take it and I don't, you'll be blessed if you follow it, but it may not make a lot of sense to you. But as you're on the hunt to identify the one, don't remove Jesus as number one. Don't place your romantic relationship in front of the Lord. It's never meant to be that way. Jesus only sits in the number one spot. And if he's not in the number one spot, don't claim him as Lord and Savior. As you're identifying the one, you should be looking to see 
Is Jesus their number one? Or are they trying to make me their number one? I'll say this again. You'll hear it later. You don't want to play God in someone else's life. You're not that good. 